Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. We call forth these mighty men of valor. The Lord put a vision in my heart for a new movement amongst men in the body of Christ. The Lord says that I'm going to make champions out of those who would gather unto me. And I believe what men on the front lines will do. And I see it going into the nations. He's going to raise the bar among men. It's time for heroes to arise. I'm Robert Hodgkin, and this is Heroes Arise. Men on the Front Lines social media broadcast, equipping, encouraging, and empowering you to arise as the hero, warrior, and champion that God created you to be. You matter, you are important, and you've got a key role to play for the kingdom in the earth. So thanks for joining me again this week so we can continue to pour into you. We're going to double down on the empowerment part of our mandate this week. We're going to really empower you because we need you. You can look around right now and you can see darkness everywhere. There's definitely darkness in the earth. There's deep darkness on the people. But God's very clear in his word about what the solution is when we are in seasons like this. It's to allow the kingdom of God to arise in us. You carry the solution. The enemy's aware of it, often more than the church is aware of it. And that's why the enemy works so hard to tempt us, to lure us, to sucker us into allowing the kingdom of the world to arise in us or the, the kingdom of the flesh to be released through us. The answer is the kingdom way, and that's what we're going to talk about this week with my special guest. We're going to look at how powerful the kingdom way is. We're going to look at what gets in the way of releasing the kingdom way. But when we're done, you're going to have such a revelation of the power of God, the solutions of God, the kingdom of God that you carry with you, that you're going to get super excited about allowing the kingdom way, choosing the kingdom way, walking in the kingdom way, and being God's solution in the earth, not just in your life, not only in your family and your sphere of influence, but in your nation and in the world. But just before we get into that, I've got two quick announcements for you. Men, mark your calendars. March 24th to the 26th is our East Coast retreat. We've got our East Coast Man Camp event, Rose Hill, North Carolina, Rockfish Meadows again, great camp facility, great retreat center. I'll be there. Ben Hughes will be there. Brad Carter will be there. I've got some special guests lined up who are going to be joining us for the weekend, but I want to see you there. We're almost full. We've got, a, I, I think it's like eight or 10 spots left. And that includes the new, um, the new cabin that they built, that the new bunkhouse they built. So we are filling up. We're almost at capacity, but we still have some room. And I want to see you there because guys, it's you that make these weekends of brotherhood breakthrough and adventure, the successes that they are. So go to menonthefrontlines.com. Click the events link. You'll see all the information about our Man Camp East Coast 2022 event, or make it simple on yourself. Email me. Robert at menonthefrontlines.com, and I'll get you all the information. My other announcement, we talk about it every week, but I want you to go to my Robert Hodgkin YouTube and Rumble channel. I want you to go to your favorite podcast platform, and I want you to like, share, and subscribe my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, and the Heroes Arise and Word Up podcast. The reason being, the, the streaming platform that we have been connecting with you through for years now, something has gone 
catawampus in their algorithm. And where we were regularly reaching seven, eight, 10,000 of you every single week, now all of a sudden they're refusing to stream some of our videos. I don't know why, they haven't explained why, but even when they do stream the videos, all of a sudden we've gone from uh, seven, eight, 10,000 reach to sometimes just 600 or 800 people. So they're doing something that is kind of winnowing our stream. I'm getting emails from you saying, hey, when are you going to start the show back up? I missed the show. Well, we've been doing it every single week. It just hasn't been getting to you. But if you go to the Rumble channel, the YouTube channel, your favorite podcast platform, and you subscribe, you'll get notified every single time new shows come out, new Heroes Arise shows, new Word Up shows, new God's Top 5 shows, new Ask Robert shows, all the content we're creating and streaming for you for free, you'll be notified. So do me a favor, go and subscribe to the Robert Hodgkin YouTube channel, Rumble channel, and subscribe to Heroes Arise with Robert Hodgkin and Word Up with Robert Hodgkin on your favorite podcast platform. All right, guys, those are our announcements. So let me bring in our very special guest, Kim Moss. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm super excited to have you on. And I also want to extend a special Men on the Front Lines greeting to you. I think you're only the third woman we've had on. So you, Patricia King and Katie Souza are official sisters and sons, just like we are official brothers and brides. So welcome to the Men on the Front Lines family. Oh man, thank you so much. I have been really looking forward to this time ever since I met you at the last what we were on a we were on a podcast together and um and it was like this instant divine connection. I hope you felt the same way, but it was like we were like we were saying earlier, I I really could talk to you all day long about the revelation that we're seeing in scripture and in the in the world right now and in the spirit. It's just amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank I you agree. for the honor. I'm thrilled you're here. I'm grateful for you here. I feel like I have a, a new little sister in the spirit. And um, because we did, yeah, we did this feed together on the East Coast. We were both invited to be on it. It was all about the state of the kingdom in 2022. And yeah. guys, if you, um, I think I streamed that on my YouTube channel so you can watch it there. But um, you shared so much. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've been hearing similar things from God. And to me, that's always an encouragement. I've been at this for almost 18 years now, but I'm still like a little kid on Christmas. When I hear things from God, I get excited. And then when other people, when I hear other people are hearing similar things, I'm like, oh, I hear, I hear, this is so exciting. And what you're carrying right now about this whole kingdom way thing, and I want to make sure we mention and we'll let people know where to get it. You've got a book out called The Way of the Kingdom. When you were sharing all that you shared it's so empowering and it's so needed and it's so now. And, you know, you heard me in the intro talk about how there's definitely darkness in the earth. There's deep darkness on the people. And my heart for the church is to have a heart for the world. And in that, it's to realize we carry the solution in this. Isaiah 60, we, the, the prophetic voices we've been declaring for years, we're in Isaiah 60 season, we're in Isaiah 60 season. And our audience has heard me talk for weeks, months, and years now about how we've got to catch that it all starts with the rise and shine. And those are choices we make in Jesus. We choose to arise. We choose to get up and, and above, beyond ourselves, beyond worldly thinking, beyond what media is blasting at us. And we choose to shine. We choose to release the light of Jesus. And when there's darkness in the earth and deep darkness on the people, God says, here's the solution. 
the kingdom of God will arise in you, and the glory of the Lord will appear upon you. Now, this is a controversial thought, but I think it, and I'm going to say it. The only thing that can limit that, the, de the devil can't limit that, but we can limit that. We can choose not to allow the kingdom to arise. Now, Holy Spirit's there, and he'll counsel us, he'll comfort us, he'll mentor us, he'll love us, he'll encourage us, he'll empower us, he'll discipline us. I know personally that he'll do that. He will show us where we're tripping up and what's tripping us up. And none of it's for conviction, or not sorry, none of it's for condemnation, guilt, or shame. It's no. all for awareness. He's highlighting something so that we can get out of our own way and let the kingdom way arise. Because I feel like too much of a too many in the church right now, because of the frustrating, discouraging things that are going on in government, in education, in the media, in the world, in the economy, we're choosing to allow the the, the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of the flesh, the kingdom of frustration, fear, anger to arise in us, as opposed to choosing to do it the kingdom way. So with that lengthy introduction, I want to throw it to you and say, talk a little bit about why you wrote this book, what the kingdom way is, and why it's so important that by God's grace, and by the gift of the Holy Spirit, we choose to do things the kingdom way, so that we can be part of the solution. Well, I wrote this book for a few reasons. Um, I firstly wrote the book because um, the Lord, the Lord put it on me and I couldn't get out from under it. And I know that you know exactly what, what I mean by that. Um, I had a prophetic dream in 2017 and the dream was about uh, the, the heavyweight championship of the world. And I knew this was the fight of the church in this hour. And, um, and the Lord really showed me through this dream that we were going to make a comeback, that the church was going to make a comeback, but it wasn't going to be without a fight. And there was going to be serious division within, and there would be sobering violence an oppression without. And so there is a there is a struggle that we are having within the church, some of us within our own individual selves, but really in the church at large. And then there's also opposition coming from the world, from the outside, and in the midst of that. And you know, and the thing is, Robert, you know this, our mission always takes place in a hostile world. We, you don't get to get away with that. You know, there's a, there's a cosmic war going on. Jesus said, this book is all about actually um, Jesus saying in Matthew 11, 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. There is a whole lot more to that passage of scripture when you exegete it than, than what just meets the eye in the beginning. And so the book really is a prophetic, I call it a prophetic exegesis, because it begins with a prophetic word and all throughout is really the prophetic word for this time, for the church. We are in an hour right now that is violent. But we, the church, are to become the violent that take it by force. And, and so the book is all about what does that look like? What does that mean? How do we recover again the true call that is on our lives and walk that out, joining God where he is working? Violent times, I'm going to make this really clear, because 
when we look at that passage of scripture, Jesus is giving us an, an understanding of a pattern that has happened from the beginning and will continue to happen until the second coming. It didn't start with the cross. It didn't end with the cross. It started in the garden. It ends when he returns and restores all things so that we are in a, a pattern of, of, um, of, of action and response in the kingdom. God begins to move. And the enemy breaks out with opposition, violent opposition against that move of God. So this is a sign to us that we are living in violent times. It means that God is moving. We are not forsaken. We're not left behind. Yes, it's hard. We need to allow these things to build up within us an endurance and a perseverance so that we can really become the followers of Jesus that we are called to be. Yeah. Um, I like that. I really like that perspective because I agree with it. You know, one of the things the Lord spoke to me was you can't defeat the enemy unless you meet the enemy, not meet with <laughs> right. the enemy, Nate, not take counsel with the enemy, but meet him on the battlefield. When right. Goliath, the giant strutted in front of Israel, mocking and threatening the people whose job it was to fight him cowered on the sidelines. They wouldn't meet with him. They cowered. Whereas David, knowing that he had been anointed as king of Israel, he didn't care that he wasn't sitting on a throne. He knew the authority that he had in and with his God, and he meets the enemy on the battlefield, not in his own strength, not in his own might, but he declares, my God will defeat you, and I'm going to cut your head off. He knew his God would defeat this enemy, but he also knew he had a role to play. And I yeah. think that's what's going on right now. And I want to yes. I want to grab hold of two things you talked about. You, the prophetic dream you had. I want to <laughs> I want to unpack that a little bit more, and then talk about this getting violent. Because as you know, I had a similar word from the Lord about it's time to get violent. But David knew who he was and walked in it. He knew his God had and would defeat the enemy, but he knew he had a role to play. And I feel like so much of what's going on right now is the Lord is trying to highlight what the enemy is doing. Not so that we will cower and be afraid and go, oh, the enemy's winning, the enemy is advancing, but we'll see the opportunity to defeat the enemy, but first we have to meet the enemy. That's you know, right. one of the words he gave me in 20, very early 2021 was, I was not one of the prophets that declared 2020 was the year of clear vision. I'm not saying they were wrong, they were right. Yeah. It was very much a year of clear vision, but God had given me a very different word to carry that year. But in early 2021, the Lord spoke to me and said, my prophets who declared it was the year of clear vision were correct, but what most of the body missed is what I was clearly showing you was what the enemy was up to. Yeah, and, and it was and not where we were power. at as a people, right? Yeah, it was so that we would target the enemy, clearly see him, and be like snipers to take him out in that mm -hmm. area. So your dream about this heavyweight battle for the world was all about yeah. the church, and I want you to I want you to describe the dream for everybody. But then what I really want to get into is is describe the dream and then share when you asked what's the secret that's the part i want to unpack but first share the dream well when i when i had the dream in the dream what happened the the details of the dream was i was standing in a large arena where a heavyweight championship would take place you know it was a very large arena there were people everywhere i was standing in the the uh, hallway or the the walkway where the fighters come out and they walk up 
to the to the platform and then they get in the ring you know and while I was standing there all of a sudden um, and I saw the ring and I knew there was going to be a fight and I and I'm looking around and waiting and suddenly two fighters come out from behind me and they walk right by me and one of the fighters was young and he walked right by me didn't even notice me and the other fighter was old and I recognized like a like a Joe Lewis type fighter who should be dead, you know, was dead and certainly was way past his prime. It should not have been fighting, shouldn't have been the, the, the prize fighter that was getting in the ring. And I was, I was really taken aback because here is this man and he was completely ripped. I mean, he was, he was, you know, firm and fit and he was virile and he he was ready for the battle and I was surprised and so I asked him and he stopped and he looked at me and I asked him how how did you do this how did you make your comeback how how did you get so fit and strong and he said through discipline diligence and a very strict routine. And then he went and he got in the ring. Once he got in the ring, all of a sudden, I find myself um, behind like the camera. And that is that is filming or recording this fight, you know, the live TV that is look and I'm and I see this woman who is dressed up like a geisha and it has nothing to do with, you know, Asian people or anything like that. But she was it was that she was an entertainer. And so she was fully like in full makeup and headdress and you couldn't really see who she was, you know, and and um, and all of a sudden she pulls out a gun and she's pointing it at the at the older prize right fighter. And I start screaming, she's got a gun, she's got a gun. And the gun goes off and I wake up from the dream and I knew that it missed. And the Lord spoke to me several things as I, as I woke up. Some of it I didn't include in the book because it's for an, another message in another book. Um, but the Lord was showing me that the, the greatest warfare that we were gonna have was with, uh, with, those, with entertainment, with those things that were entertaining our people and capturing their attention and, um, and that it was false and that it was a caricature of what was true. And, um, and the Lord said that we were in, we were in war with Jezebel. And so I knew that. Um, but I also saw that the fight that, that the comeback, the church was going to make the diligence, discipline, and very strict routine. What he said to me about those things, diligence is sustained intentional effort. We, we were going to have to make some choices here. And we were going to have to decide and choose that we were going to step in and create then that strict routine was about our habits. And God was going to show us, and of course that has come to pass, this was part of the clear vision thing. We just didn't understand, prophets see in part, we don't, we don't know everything. But we didn't understand that all of the pandemic and all of the election stuff and all of that was actually going to remove a veil from us and we're going to get us let us see exactly where we were at where we're at personally where the church was at where the world was really at and we got clear vision okay we thought the vision would be oh you know i'm going to have vision to move forward i'm going to know what i'm going to do for the next 10 years oh no he was showing us instead where we have been mesmerized and compromised by the world so that we could by diligence sustained 
intentional effort, and by a strict routine, forming new habits, getting rid of the old habits and forming new habits um, so that we can walk in the kingdom and then discipline. And this, this is a, a couple of things. The discipline was a correction. And of course, we have been through correction. And as you said in the beginning, correction was not for condemnation. The correction was so that we could come to a very new place, a new level of authority, which is another word he's been speaking to me. I'm sure he's been telling you that too, Robert, that God wants to increase our authority in this time. But in order to do that, he was going to have to bring us discipline through correction, but also a new learning place. See, disciples, discipline, really the root of that word in the Greek is all about learning, placing ourselves as students under the truth and under those who understand the truth and learning. And so we are in a time now where we are suffering violence and we need to become the violent that take it by force, but it's going to come through learning again, the spiritual disciplines, how how our forefathers and Jesus himself connected deeply with the father, hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit is going to be critical in the days ahead, critical in the days ahead, because listen, we're not coming out of this hard stuff just yet. We're going to see glory in the church. We're going to see a whole new measure of miracles. We're coming to a new level of authority, but in the world, we're going to, we're going to experience some trouble that this generation probably has not experienced, but we're also going to experience a move of God that we also have not experienced. So it'll be, you know, best of times, worst of times, all wrapped up into one. Well, Did I answer I, your question? I absolutely. Think you that was else. great. I want to, I, I want to keep digging into it because this is so rich. You know, my personal conviction, I would say beyond, beyond just my personal belief, my personal conviction is that we will continue to see hard times until we as the church allow the kingdom of God to arise in us and we go out and we be the solution. And I'm not saying nobody's doing that. I'm not saying, no. um, but obviously my thought is if what we've seen has been enough, then we wouldn't be where we are. And this isn't the enemy winning. This is God presenting us with the opportunity to go out and slay the giants. So we'll continue to have challenges until we learn the strategies for this season to go out and slay the giants, to see the powers and principalities torn down, because that's what we do. We war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. That's right. When you ask in the prophetic dream, when you ask the prize fighter who many would say was past this prime. And, and I think that's so obviously prophetic because most of the world says the church is past its prime. That's right. You know, I know when I post prophetic things online and I'm very grateful that I have relationship with many Christians all over the world, but also that I have connections to many non-Christians because I want to be right. putting the kingdom of God on display for them as well. But I've got some friends of friends who will say to me things like, you know, this is why nobody, you know, even looks to the church anymore. The church that's is right. old. The church is dead. Don't get angry about that. And you don't have to defend God. Put God on display, his character, his nature, his presence, and his power. That's the solution. That's right. Put his mercy, his compassion, his kindness, his love on display. But what I'm getting at is many in the world would say, church is past its prime, church is unnecessary, church isn't needed anymore. But the church was ripped. The church was ready for the battle. And when you ask, why God's prophetic answer in this dream was diligence training in a very strict routine. And you unpacked all that wonderfully. Here's the challenge. And I want to ask on how do we meet this challenge? Because there is a schism in the church. And I believe, I believe 100% that the diligence, the training, and the very strict routine is the answer. 
because, you know, what's the old saying? The definition of insanity is continuing doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Well, I know God's been saying that to me lately in certain areas where I have noticed myself wrestling. He's like, what are you going to change? Yeah. Ask me what you want to change. You know, yeah. walk with me. That's the kingdom yeah. way. That's the kingdom invitation. Jesus didn't say, come believe right. in me. He saw they believed and said, come follow me. Come walk with me. Let me teach you how to do kingdom. Let me right. teach you the kingdom way in the earth. Yeah. And so when we talk diligence, training, strict routine, discipline, some people grab hold of it from a religious performance mindset of, well, if yeah. I do that, then God owes me and he's got to show up for me. And then it seems like then there's another section that says, no, 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 that's religion. That's legalism. That's performance. Jesus did it all for me. You know, I've uh. talked to people who say, I don't even need to pray because you know, the, the, Jesus intercedes for me at the right hand of the Father. Jesus That's has right. done all, and, let, and yet I will gently say, but Jesus said, pray like this. He mentored us in prayer as a solution. Well, that's, that's before right. he went to the cross. You don't understand the cross. You're living on the wrong side of the cross. And I'm always willing to listen to somebody because I can always learn and grow. And yet I can't get past the conviction of, if it really is all, it is all done at the cross, but if inside of space and time it was all done, why are we still here? Genesis 1, 26 through 28 makes it really clear why we're here, to be his dominion stewards in the earth, and our audience right. hears me talk about this every week. To, we have a job to do, and that's we not works, that's not performance, that's revelation of opportunity within realization of identity. So we have got we to help? get mobilized in okay. this time. We have spent the last couple of decades, at least the last 10 years, talking about identity, and identity is so important. But God has given you identity so that you can do something because there is a purpose for which you were created. And so we don't just sit and go, isn't it wonderful? I'm a child of God. Isn't it wonderful? I've been called as a prophet. Isn't it wonderful that I am this and that and the other? And But we never do anything with that. God has given you an identity so you can fulfill an assignment because God is moving on the earth through you. And yet, can God do it all? Yeah, he can. But he created mankind for this very reason. And we must be about our task. We have for too long, I, I understand. I, I, under, I get the same thing, Robert. I was, I was a pastor on a staff for 12 years and I got this kind of thing all the time, you know, and people want a breakthrough. We pray for breakthrough, right? God, bring a breakthrough. God, bring a breakthrough. And they don't understand that before a breakthrough always becomes a breakdown. Why? Because whatever it is that is keeping you from moving forward God has to break that in your life. So we pray for it. We pray for change. But the minute change begins, we go, wait, what? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't really want things to change. I want, okay, let's, let's talk about like, this is easy because I can talk about my own self. Right. So I, I, uh, you know, I, I have had a little hormone thing because I'm in that age. And so I have gained a little weight and it's not really about, and so, you know, I would like, I would really like God to just poof take it off of me. Can he do that? Yeah, he can. I have seen him do that in people before. I have seen him heal an illness like that before. But for others, it's a process of 
joining where he's working and walking that out in a habitual way, a holy habitual way, day by day by day, because we have to cooperate with God. So now we are in this moment right now when God is trying to mobilize the church, but he's correcting her. He is bringing her into a deeper relationship. I, I can't tell you how many times I have heard people say about the spiritual disciplines. They're just legalistic things. You know, discipleship is just, just legalistic. Yeah, really? Is that right? Yeah, there was a time when some of that did happen. It's true. But see, what we tend to do is throw out the baby with the bathwater. I mean, the church from the beginning, we've done that with prophecy. When prophecy started to go wrong in the early church, what we did was we wrote it completely out of scripture and said, no longer do the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are they, are they for now? You know, they were only for accrediting the apostles doctrine. And so they're not really for now, but that wasn't true. And that was really all started because of the false prophecy. So we can't allow those things to happen now. And we can't say, well, some people did get into legalism with, with the discipline. Some people did get into legalism when they were discipling people. But listen, our forefathers, even Jesus himself in scripture practiced these things. And by these things, they got stronger and more mature. You can't mature as a Christian unless you go through something because it's going through something that makes us stronger as we continue to believe and we get through to the other side. You can't build perseverance. You can't build endurance. What Hebrews 10, 35 to 39 says, therefore do not throw away your confidence for has a rich reward. And people go, Oh, I need that. I need my confidence. God restore my confidence. But they forget the second, the second, the scripture that comes out right right after that the scripture that comes right after that says because you have need of endurance so that when you have done that's a doing word so when you have done the will of God there is a will of God for you to do and you are going to have to endure some things in order to do that and in order to endure you're going to have to keep your confidence what's that yeah that's the identity piece I have to know who I am. I have to know who my God is. I have to know what he, what he is like and his ways with his people. I have to really believe what he has said about, about his kingdom, what he has said to me about me, what he has said about the church and what he has said about these times. And I have to walk that out with endurance so that I can do the will of God. And then it says, because he was coming will come and he will not delay. And my righteous ones, they will live by faith. And if you shrink back, I will not be pleased, but you're not of those who shrink back, but who believe to the fulfillment of the promise. Listen, you, you faith and works go together. It's not either, or it's both. And. Amen. I love it. That was a great answer. You unpacked that brilliantly. You got me excited because I'm that's my language. I so agree with you. You know, even when the apostle Paul said um, that that the gifts of the spirit, one of those gifts that we have been given, we didn't earn it. It's there's no religion, there's no performance, is the working of miracles. And when you look at that word working, it's energeo in the Greek. That's and it has two meanings: it means to be mighty and to be active. So the way that we are mighty in the working of miracles is to be active in the working of miracles. And it's how we carve out realms. It's how we establish realms. 
when we realize we're at war and we are light against we darkness, are. not flesh against flesh, That's but right. light against darkness, us, uh, us, the church against powers and principalities. We're not That's war right. with the world. We're at war for the world, as my friends Ben and Jody Hughes always say so brilliantly. But when we realize we're at war, then all of a sudden, I'm hoping this whole thing of religion versus sloppy grace versus performance oh, and all of that just falls of away. And we realize, yeah. wait, even in the natural, the ones who are good at warfare or, or if people are offended by that, let's go this way. Even in the church, the people who were good at worship have practiced worship. The people who are good at evangelizing have practiced evangelizing. The people who are good at preaching. I'm a better preacher now than I was 18 years ago. Praise God. I hope 18 years from now, I'm even better. Why? Because I'm doing it. I'm practicing. Yes. It. I'm better at media now than I was when I started a few years yes. ago. I really hope years from now, I'll be even better at it. But we're okay with that. And I think if we get in our head that when it comes to doing things the kingdom way, all we're doing is saying yes to the invitation of Jesus, not to get saved, but to those who are saved. Because again, I always look at, it's Matthew 4, when he decides to start the church in the earth, right? And he invites, it starts with the, 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 the four fishermen, and he doesn't say, come believe in me. He sees that they believe. So he says, come follow me. He invites yes. believers to be disciples. Now, here's the good news. We can get saved and never follow him. That's right. We can simply believe in him and sit on the couch. And here's where religion gets broken off of us. We'll be loved. We'll be accepted. We'll yes. be adored. All of his gifts are still for us. All of his fruits are still for us. And we'll go to heaven when our time is done here. Yet there's this invitation after we believe to follow and to do things the kingdom way. And I'm hoping everybody listening is catching from your prophetic dream, from the brilliant way you unpacked all that, that what we're being invited to do is what the Bible says God does, train our hands to war, teach us to bend the bow of bronze. When I lived in Montana, I did some hunting and I was not much of a bow hunter, but I like shooting bows, but I'm not good at it. But... <laughs> I know like compound bows and just regular reflex bows were challenging. I've often thought, what would a bow of bronze be like? I bet that's really hard to bend. How do you learn to bend it? Training, you increase your strength. So everybody, that's what I want you to hear, that what we're talking about is becoming more and more effective for the kingdom of God, right. which is what we've been crying out for. God, give me more. Theologically, he can't. He's given us everything at the cross, but... He knows when we're saying, Lord, I want more of you. What we're really crying out is, Lord, I want to be more effective on your behalf. Mm -hmm. I want to put more of you on display. This is how we do it. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, and this, your, your guests like you are the reasons we do this show is long form, because <laughs> I love these conversations. Yeah, and right now our audience is going, oh, I can tell this is going to be a longer show. But with everything you just unpacked, let's talk about getting violent. Because you received a word that you've already talked about. Our audience knows because I shared one of my words for 2022 was when the Lord spoke to me, it's time to get violent. And my old carnal nature kind of like that. Like, yeah, let's go throw some punches and break some windows. Why do the bad guys just get to do that? He's like, no, 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 no. Mm -mm. Kingdom violence is completely different than worldly yes. and carnal violence. Worldly yeah. and carnal violence hurts, abuses, shoves away. Whereas kingdom violence actually violently goes after, violently, aggressively, 
builds bridges. Kingdom violence is about choosing to aggressively go after love and mercy and compassion. Mm -hmm. Kingdom violence towards other is violent love, violent mercy, violent compassion, mm -hmm. violent deliverance, violent healing, violently contending for God or in God on their behalf. But it also, to my mind, kingdom violence is for me to get aggressive about pushing away impatience, anger, frustration, despair, violently saying, no, you know, I, I see it like almost rolling up a newspaper and smacking the devil on the nose, bad dog, no, 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 I will not take up the bone of contention, I will really violently good. walk in joy yeah. and peace and hope-filled expectation, yeah. talk a little bit about what the Lord spoke to you in, in regards to how we get violent, what does kingdom violence look like in the midst of all this worldly violence and carnal violence going on right now? Well, let's let's uh, let me talk to you about it from scripture, because this is how God speaks to me. And um, every prophetic person is different. And uh, and for me, it usually comes through God will give me a dream or he'll give me a prophetic word and then he'll give me scripture. And as I look into scripture, then he gives me his answer. And so we have this passage of scripture in Matthew 11, 12, where Jesus says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I told you it was already a pattern, but see, we have to go back just a little bit to where, um, to, to why he's giving this answer. You see, John is in prison. John the Baptist is in prison. And John sends an envoy of his disciples to Jesus to ask him this very curious question. Like, are you the one that we were waiting for or are we waiting for another? And it's very curious because you think, wait a minute, this is John the Baptist. Doesn't he know? I mean, we think sometimes that, that we, we don't understand things, but we would expect someone like John the Baptist to know. I mean, after all, my goodness, he's the one that baptized Jesus. He saw the dove come down. He heard the voice come out of heaven. And, and the Lord had told him, when you see these things, this is the one, meaning the Messiah, the one that was coming to bring salvation. He already said he's going to take away the sins of the world. This is the Lamb of God. And so we're like, wait a minute. So why is he asking, are you the one who's coming or, you know, because see, John was already experiencing the violence of the world. He was already in prison. He was going to be beheaded. Jesus wasn't saving him in the way that John expected John and John didn't even I don't think that John would care now this is not in scripture so I'm speaking from what they call silence right now so I'm I'm uh I'm I'm bringing a conjecture my own uh, opinion okay so but but I would doubt very much that John was worried about saving his own head do you know what I'm saying? Like he, he was ready to lay down his life for God and he was ready to lay his life down for the Messiah. However, his expectation of how violence would happen and the kingdom would come would be that it would be a political coup that Jesus would overtake the Roman army, you know, and overtake the Roman government, put his, uh, put Israel back on top, that they would start to, you know, put laws in the land against, against all the, the things that the oppression, the political oppression that was happening to God's people. He also would think that Jesus would come against the religious hierarchy that was bringing religious oppression in the land and wipe out all the idols and wipe out all the idolaters, sort of 
like an Elijah, you know, when Elijah came against the prophets of Baal and they all died. I mean, he killed 300 guys, you know? And so this is what he is expecting. And this is what all of Israel was expecting. But Jesus wasn't doing any of that. He wasn't being violent in that way. And yet we absolutely know from the gospels that everything that Jesus said and did was pushing back darkness and bringing violence to the kingdom of darkness. Everything he said and did was an act of war on behalf of all people to win the hearts, to bring salvation, to bring healing in all different kinds of ways. So when John asks the questions full of expectation and Jesus brings a specific answer, and this is where we know what our kingdom violence is supposed to look like. He says, go and tell John, the lame are walking, the deaf are hearing, the blind are receiving their sight, and the gospel of the kingdom is being preached to all people. Go and tell him that. Well, he's, he's alluding to passages of scripture in Isaiah that are telling about, about the, the, what the kingdom will look like and what the Messiah will do. And he's saying, these are the signs of the kingdom. These are the signs that I am the Messiah. And this is what the kingdom violence will look like. So when we hear violence, we think immediately, oh, good. You know, I can take up arms and I can take up a, a placard and go stand on the on the street corner and I can I can, you know, I, I, I can do these violent things that look a lot like the world, you know, and they're a lot like the political system that we see in operation in the world. And yet this is not what he calls us to. Now, I want to be very clear here. I am not saying that you can't be patriotic and love your nation. I am not saying that you cannot uh, that you cannot say or or be aware that many of the things happening politically in this nation are not good and not right. However, what I am saying is that if we are going to be the violent who take it by force, we're talking about doing it the way Jesus did. Jesus did it one by one by one until the kingdom spread like the leaven that that leavens the whole lump of dough. And it was more powerful and more, more, uh, it was more effective and more powerful than any political movement, because it was a spirit movement. And so what is violence looks like it looks like Jesus, it looks like violent peace, we're supposed to be peacemakers, it looks like violent reconciliation. We're supposed to be lovers of all, pe all people and reconciling them to God and to one another. It looks like violent generosity because we sow into the things of the kingdom because that's where our treasure really is. And we want to advance the kingdom of God. And yet it takes money. I mean, you know, and I'm not asking you to sow into my, into my ministry. I'm asking you to sow into the kingdom generously and be generous of spirit, not just with your money, but generous is with your time, generous with your resources, generous with your love, generous with your uh, attitude, generous with how about the kingdom of God is violent forgiveness. You know, some of us, man, we hold grudges like nobody's business. And, and that's not the church. It's not Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't hold grudges. He forgave and he asks us to be also forgiving 
You know, how about a violent healing? When, when was the last time? I mean, I, I'm not trying to, to bring uh, conviction here, but if the Holy Spirit's convicting, when was the last time you laid hands on somebody and believed for their healing? How about violent intercession on behalf of the things that are going on in the world? So there's all kinds of kingdom violence. It looks like Jesus. So the last thing I want to say about that is my favorite illustration of kingdom violence. It was Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And he says, not my will, but yours be done, God. And he had violently interceded and asked if the cup could be taken from him. But in the end, he gets up and says, but not my will, but yours be done. And then he, so he brings his disciples, they're in the garden and what the centurions, the, the, the guards come, the, um, Praetorian guards, they come and um, they were, they were sent by the Pharisees to, to arrest Jesus and take him to the most brutal, violent, humiliating death, mocking, spitting on him, whipping him, tearing his flesh from his body. And he, and he's willingly going and, and God bless Peter. I love Peter. I always really, I always relate to Peter, Peter. And, um, but Peter whips out his sword because he still doesn't understand the violence of the king whips out his sword and he whacks off one of the guards ears. You know, this is the violence that Peter thinks we're going to do right? We're going to keep Jesus from going to the cross, but he doesn't understand that this very violent thing that Jesus is going to do is going to be the salvation of all people laying his life down for his friends. And so he whacks off the ear, the ears on the ground. And, but what does Jesus do? This is the perfect example of kingdom violence. Jesus walks over, picks up the ear, and he heals the very man that is taking him to a brutal, humiliating death. He heals his enemy. And in that moment, don't you think that that guard was like, who is this man? He has another thought. I'm sure that he was changed forever. He had an encounter with the living God and yet he had to do his duty. Right. And so, and so here we are, this is how we are supposed to respond violently. We love our enemies. We heal our enemies. We give generously out of, out of even the little that we have, because we know that we have abundance in Christ and we are forgiving. We are kind. We violent mercy, violent grace, violent love, violent healing, all of these things. This is how we are the violent. Amen. That was, that was powerful. <clears throat> you know, um, we could talk about that forever. That's amazing. You know, I think one of the most violent things what kept coming to my mind was one of the most violent things that the kingdom of heaven will suffer is us being willing to violently put our carnal nature to death, That's us right. being willing to truly lay down our lives. And Jesus modeled that to us. And I hadn't thought about that juxtaposition of Peter, you, you, you taught that so well, Peter pulling out the sword for violence that makes sense. And yet yeah. Jesus saying, Basically, that's the violence of the world. Yeah. We're going to be violent. We're going to violently contend for this person. And like you said, violently heal. <laughs> so the last thing I want to touch on before I have you pray for everybody is yeah. we promise people at the top that we talk a little bit about what gets in the way. Because, you yeah. know, we talk about all this and I, I, we have the greatest viewers and the greatest listeners. They're on fire for God. They want to walk in more of God. They're willing to partner with Holy Spirit in everything from encouragement and empowerment and equipping to disciplining and teaching. There's nobody that's going to listen to this in our audience and, and not say, yes, things <laughs> right. get in the way. And let's talk a little bit way. about that, because I know like what you just unpacked for me, it's 
For me, what gets in the way and God has to highlight is when I'm entitled to a response. Like right now, I'm entitled to outrage with what's going on in our country because there's outrageous things going on. We are being blatantly lied to by both sides of the aisle constantly. We are being blatantly lied to and manipulated by people in authority. And I could go on and on and on, outraged by it all. But that's actually going to trip me up. You know, the Lord was showing me that you may be entitled to outrage, but what good does it do? And my favorite example of this, Kim, is years ago, I have wrestled with customer service for many years because too often I feel like I'm talking to customer service and they don't know what either of those words mean. They don't know I'm the customer. And I'm so so I was on the phone, not because something had happened that was outrageous and unfair. And mm-hmm. I had paid for something and wasn't receiving it and they weren't taking responsibility and they actually wanted to increase my bill because of their mistake. Right. And I finally was like, can I talk to a supervisor? And they're like, I am yeah. the supervisor. And I got oh. so frustrated. And I said, <laughs> I got to call you back. And I hung up because I knew I was about to lose it. And I turned to the Lord and I was like, God, he's like, what is going on with you? I said, this isn't right. This isn't fair. And I unpacked the whole thing. And he said, I get that, but what's going on in your heart? I said, I want what I deserve. I want what I, no, I said, I want what I paid for. And he said, so you want what you deserve? And I said, yes, I want what, oh God, that was a trick question. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know what I deserve is hell. That's right. And if you hadn't done, All he said, this. that's what I want you to bring into this. So talk so a little beautiful. bit about what can trip us up from your perspective or your experience. Because for me, it's usually something I have every right to yeah. react to, but the Lord has spoken to me again and again and again. You're right, but you're not being righteous. My biggest trip ups is when I'm right. The Lord showed me this even years ago when Yuri and I were having an argument. I went to the Lord and was like, basically, Lord, you know I'm right. I know I'm right. Show her I'm right. And he, all he asked me was, is, you know what? You might be right, but you're not being righteous. You're not even okay. listening to her side of it because you're so caught up in the fact that you are right. And he told me, he said, you are. But what good is it doing? Is yeah. it... Is it bringing you closer together? Are you learning more about each other? Are you, why aren't you listening to her heart in this? And I I thought, oh my gosh. And he said, don't worry about being right so much. Being righteous is what will change atmospheres, change nations, change lives. So what do you see that can trip us up from the kingdom way? Oh, I think, I think that what you just brought up is, is incredibly true. And, uh, and I think that, that as, as a, a culture. So I'm sure that you have listeners from other countries and, um, and their culture is different, but in our culture, uh, we are, we are a lot about our rights, you know, and, uh, this is my right. Uh, but I, I like to tell my people, listen, Jesus laid down all of his rights to save you. You know, he had, he had the, he had the rights that came with the King of the universe. And yet he laid them all down to come. And it's called the, um, not the humiliation with the, um, I'll think of it. I'm having a, I'm having a senior moment and, um, condescension it's called in theology, it's called condescension. So he condescended to come to the earth. And so what that means is that he submitted himself to become lower than the angels, it says, so that he could save us. He laid down all of his rights. He laid down his rights when he went to the cross. You know, how can we do anything less 
right? Lay down our rights. Sometimes being right is a, is a block to communication because it, what it does also is it gets us stuck in a position and then we get defensive in our communication and defensive communication never listens. It's always thinking about what the next thing it can say to defend itself. And, um, and this does not allow us to have a relationship with anybody. It's, this, it's very selfish and it's very, very self-centered and it's very self-involved. And, um, and the minute that that happens, we become in, in essence narcissistic. And when we are narcissistic, it's all about me. And, um, and this is never kingdom. It's never God. And, um, and it, it, just, it just is a block to communication and relationship. But the thing I really want to bring out, the biggest block to, uh, to being the kingdom in this moment and to really bringing uh, the violence of the kingdom to bear to bring solutions and, and to uh, advance the kingdom in this time is really about offense. So uh, John says to Jesus, are you the one? And Jesus gives him a, a, like a list of all the miracles that he's been doing. And then he says this very curious thing. He says, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. That word offense is, is scandalized. And so uh, God will scandalize our expectations. He will, he will scandalize us in order to shake us up out of what we are expecting, what we are thinking, what, and, the, and the direction that we have been going in order to bring us something new so that we can really see what he's doing and join him where he's working. So he says, this word offense is actually a trap. So what happens, see, is that we have an expectation. John had an expectation of what Jesus would do. He had, he had an expectation along with the entire nation. And I wonder if we and our nation are in this place right now. You know, an expectation of what Jesus should be doing about, about the circumstances that they were finding themselves in. And he expected him to come in the way that he had come before, but Jesus was coming in a brand new way. And John couldn't see it because of his expectations. And so he was tempted by offense. Now, that word is a trap, but when you get down to its root, it actually means you are being tempted by the enemy to unbelief. See, if the enemy can get you to stand in your expectations and you get offended because your expectations are not fulfilled of how God should do something, what, you know, you said this, I don't know why you're not doing this. Uh, you know, you don't see, don't you see what I'm going through and how come you haven't come? You know, you don't, don't you see the illness in my, in my father, my brother, my sister, my, my child in why aren't you doing something, Jesus? And we become offended. And what we end up doing is we put God on trial. C.S. Lewis says we put God in the box. So the box is the, is the trial box, you know? And so we put God on trial and we are the litigator and we say, and we are the judge and we say, okay, here's exhibit A, B, C, D. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. You didn't meet my expectations in any of these ways. What do you have to say about it? And we, we, we put God on trial and he comes up short. And what happens is that we have now entered into unbelief. And when we enter into unbelief, then we become disobedience. What does Hebrews chapter three say? That they couldn't enter into his rest. They couldn't get into the promised land. They couldn't, they couldn't step into the fulfillment of the promise because of their un because of their disobedience, because they had unbelieving hearts. See, when we when we get trapped in offense, 
and we are tempted to unbelief, then we enter into disobedience and we walk away from the Lord. We give up on Jesus. And we are in this place right now where we have been through a few years of hardship. I understand. I've been through it too. I've been through it with you. But we've been through a hardship. I, I don't, I, somebody, you're listening right now and you're thinking, this is exactly me where I'm at. I'm telling you right now. Well, I feel the kindness of the Lord for you. We have been through, we have been through a few years now of very difficult times. We have been isolated. We have felt abused. We have been fearful. The enemy just released fear and anxiety like nothing I have ever seen in my lifetime. I am 62 years old and I have six grandchildren. And I'm telling you, I have never seen anxiety and depression and suicidal, just death in the air like we have felt right now. And then add to it all the stuff going on with the elections and the turmoil in the world. This is not just our country, but the geopolitical striving and, and vying for power and the clash of the kingdoms. This isn't, it's not just happening in the natural, it's happening also in the spiritual. And I know that you are tired. I know that you have experienced loss. I know that even if you haven't experienced some of those things, if you're like me, probably like Robert, you have been through a great pruning. You have been through a time when God has come and said, yeah, you see this right here? I know you've come this far. You've come so far. Listen, I have given my whole life to Jesus. I have followed him as faithfully as I can for 25 years in ministry, laying my life down on that altar and even still, God has come to me and said, but here, right here, Kimmy, right here, you, you still react in this way. And then it causes you have thoughts that are in line with the enemy, not in line with me. And I, I want to, I want to cleanse you of that. I want to remove that. I want to prune that from you. And it, listen, it's been a painful process. And I know some of you have been through a lot of that right now. And the transition seems to go on and on <laughs> And on, doesn't it? It's like just, and it's like, when Lord, when are you going to give us the fresh vision? We know something is coming. We can feel the pregnancy in the air. You can feel God is doing something. And yet we don't exactly see it. And we see war still ahead. I'm just telling you, guard your heart. Yeah. If he's scandalizing you right now, it's good. Because listen, if nothing changes, nothing changes we've been praying for the breakthrough and it's here now this is what it looks like it comes with a breakdown first so that we can move into a whole new place i know the prophets have been saying for years you know we're, we're going to see something new isaiah 43 18 19 you know don't look to the past but god's doing something new won't you perceive it but as he's doing something new he's cutting off what is old and it's painful and we're seeing some of the places where we have compromised. God is cleansing the church right now. I'm prophesying to you right now. I'm just telling you. God is cleansing the church right now from its toleration of Jezebel. And what does that mean? That we have tolerated sexual immorality in too many ways. We have compromised with that. And we have tolerated some false prophetic. And, and God is cleansing that. He's not condemning us for that. He is cleansing us from that. He's, he's straightening those things out. He's bringing correction to the, prophetic, uh, to the prophetic movement because we are to be stronger than ever before and more influential than than we ever were before. He's also coming to the church to cleanse us of our idolatry. What is that? Anything, any place where we've given resources to other things, not to God, where we have been involved in, 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 
entertainment and pleasure and and pursuing of power and not pursuing the kingdom and um, because it has diminished our testimony to the next generation and our testimony of God and his works needs to be powerful again not for condemnation to make us more powerful and he's also coming to the church to cleanse us in the area of worship He's relieving us from our religious spirit so that we can welcome in the harvest. We won't contemn others when they come and want to worship with us, but we will be, we will be giving the kind of worship that again is just completely unreserved. And, and so listen, if this is you right now, I just, can, can I just pray right now, Robert, I just feel the Holy Spirit. I'm just I'm taking license. I'm sorry, but I just, I just, would you just bow your head and would you put your hands out in front of you right now? Because God is going to take something from you and he's going to give something to you because he loves you so much and he wants to use you in this hour and you want to be used. I can feel it. I can feel your hunger. You want to be used and you are the heroes that are arising, which is what this show is all about. And so father, right now in the name of Jesus, I ask that you bring to their mind, Lord God, anything that is hindering them from moving forward, anything, Lord God, where any place where they have compromised with the culture, Lord God, where they have, where they have given in, Lord God, in any form or fashion, Lord God, to defensiveness or offense, Lord God, unbelief of kind, Lord God, because of unmet expectations. And listen, listen, he is not, he is not angry about that. He understands because we have a, we have a, we have a Messiah, we have a Savior who can sympathize with your weaknesses because. He has been tempted in every way, just like you. So would you put those temptations, would you just, would you just visualize them in your hands right now? Every, every temptation to be offended, every place where you have unmet expectations, every, every place where you have been defensive, where you have taken up your rights rather than laid them down, every place where you have been, uh, where you have cooperated with a spirit of poverty instead of a spirit of generosity that has made you made, make decisions in this hour based on fear of what you could lose, not on, not based on, on, on faith of what you could gain for the kingdom. Everything, everything, every, every place where you, any place where you have unforgiveness, this is a really big deal right now because you're going to be healers in the kingdom and we, we can't lay our hands for healing if we are harboring unforgiveness in our hearts. And so, Father, we just give this to you. And we just say right now, we come out of agreement with any spirit of poverty. We come out of agreement with a spirit of fear, with a spirit of anxiety. We come out of agreement with offense of any kind, unbelief of any kind. We come out of, out of agreement, Lord Jesus, with, with anything that has hindered our ability to move forward with you. We come out of agreement with unforgiveness and we release forgiveness to those around us who have, who have been, yes, who have, who have put us in place of Lord God, there's been injustice. I just hear there's been injustice. Those who have been unjust toward you, they have misunderstood your motives. They have not seen who you really are and they have condemned you in ways that were unrighteous. We just release forgiveness to those people right now, Lord God. And now would you remove all those hindrances? I just see, I just see him taking a, you know, one of those little short brooms. What are those little dust brooms? You know, they're really stiff, you know, they're really, but he's, he's brushing. Oh, he's brushing the dust, uh, not only off your hands, but off your feet. You know, he says, when you enter in a town, if they reject you, shake the dust from your feet, as you leave, you're leaving that old place. 
and God is brushing the dust off. He's helping you because it's been hard for you to shake it off. He knows because the time has been so difficult for you and his kindness is on you. His kindness is on you. Now keep your hands open because just be ready to receive father in the name of Jesus. I stand in my prophetic office right now in the name of Jesus. And I release a fresh impartation to those Lord God, who have, who have been willing Lord God to release all those offenses, Lord God, and anything that has hindered. And I release a fresh impartation, not only for the gift of prophecy, but for the gift of healing and miracles, signs and wonders, Lord God, in Jesus name, the gift of leadership and boldness, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And I command right now in Jesus name, that every inch, every inch of ground of confidence that you had in the last season is given back to you and more with dividends paid back by the enemy in the name of Jesus. Receive it right now, right now, right now. God is giving it right now. I release to you this impartation in Jesus name. And I declare over you Hebrews 10, 35 to 39, which is my life scripture that I operate out of. And I have authority to release over you in Jesus name. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. It has a rich reward. You have need of endurance and you are receiving it right now so that when you have done the will of God, not if you will do the will of God, but when you have done the will of God, you will, you will not, not you might, you will receive every promise that he has for you in Jesus name for you are the righteous ones. You will not shrink back, but you will stand in faith and you will see the fulfillment of every prophetic promise that he has spoken over your life in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Right now, someone, you, God is healing you of depression, right? I just, I just, I just release that over you in Jesus name. I take authority over spirit, any spirit of depression in Jesus name, any place where your grief has been unnatural, I break that assignment over you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I just, I just see, oh, wow. God wants to heal barrenness right now in the name of Jesus. I, I was a labor and delivery nurse before I became a minister. I want you to pray. If you are listening right now, if you're a woman or if you are a man and your wife is barren, I want you to put your, your hands over, over where the womb would be in your lower abdomen right now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I release life into every barren womb in the name of Jesus. I command the fallopian tubes and the uterus and all the organs, Lord God, to come back to their natural function and to the full function as you originally designed it. Father, I just command every blockage to be removed, Lord God, and Father, the environment to be welcoming to new life in Jesus' name. Lord God, I just release a, I just, I'm sorry, I know this is really sort of intimate, but I just release in Jesus' name a fresh anointing for intimacy in the marriage bed in Jesus name. And there will be joy again, Lord God, in the coming together in the name of Jesus, Lord God, and marriages are going to be restored. I just release restoration over marriages right now in Jesus name, father, where any spouse, Lord God has been thinking of leaving Lord God in the name of Jesus. I ask that you bring a, a conviction, a gracious kindness and conviction, and there would be new love and there would be fresh communication. Lord God, God and marriages would be healed right now in Jesus name. And I thank you, Lord. I love you so much in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Kim, that was incredibly powerful. Thank you. And you weren't taking license. You were being prophetic. I always ask the guests to pray at the end and you moved into it. 
That was powerful. Thank you so, so much. Guys, I, I almost hate to bring this show to a close because it's been so, so powerful and so good. But I know you're hungry for more. And believe it or not, as deep as we went, we're still barely scratching the surface of the, the way of the kingdom. I want to encourage you all to get this book, um, to dig into this book. It's a now, now word. And I know in the prophetic community, we say that all the time. But what I love about what Kim's carrying is... It's filled with revelation, but it's also filled with what we believe in, encouragement and empowerment and equipping. There's as much mentoring in this book as there is uh, revelation. So um, though you guys who have read my books, you know that's what I love, is when we have revelation, but then we're teaching you how to apply it, and this is full of that. So Kim, do me a favor, share where they can get the way of the kingdom, <clears throat> excuse me, and where they can continue to connect with you and get more from you because I know our audience is going to want more, more, more. Oh, thank you. Um, you can go any place books are sold. Uh, the Way of the Kingdom, Seizing the Moment for a Great Move of God. You can find that there on Amazon, Baker Book House, um, CBD, is it called? CB. Yeah. Christianbookdistributor.com. Uh, Christian, yes. Yeah. And you, so anywhere books are sold, um, uh, Barnes and Noble, all, all of those places. So you can find it everywhere. Um, you can find me and the other books that I have, you can find me on at kimmoss.com. And my name is spelled M-A-A-A-A-A-S kimmoss.com. And, uh, and you can find other resources. I'm on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter, new on TikTok, boy, that's a whole nother issue. Uh, and Twitter and, and uh, Facebook. And so uh, on Twitter, it's at PK Moss. Uh, and on Facebook, it's uh, move forward, Kim Moss, move forward now. And uh, yeah, so if you look up Kim Moss, you can find me all over. And uh, yeah, I have a YouTube channel. So all those different places. I have a podcast, Move Forward, Dr. Kim Moss. It's on uh, Charis uh, Charisma Podcast Network. And uh, you can find that on uh, Apple Podcasts and all of those different places. I also have a TV show with Kingdom Insight TV. And it's uh, 6.30 every Wednesday. 6 30 eastern time every wednesday and uh, you can find that on roku and various places uh and on kingdom insight tv network and uh yeah that's yeah that's it <laughs> and is your website the best hub for them can they find out about all of that yeah. at the website great you can find great. out all of that at my website yes and uh and you can find resources on my website yeah excellent so guys go connect subscribe like share be equipped be empowered I can't thank you enough for joining us, Kim. These are my favorite types of shows where we have conversations and there's plenty of revelation and plenty of time to go deeper. But I know with all that you shared, there's much more that we can still dig into. So everybody go to the website, go to Amazon, go to all the media outlets, connect with Kim, connect with her ministry. I'm going to be bold and say so into it. This is good ground. This is proven ground. This is seasoned ground. This is not an overnight prophetic success, as it were. And those are glorious, too. They bring God glory, too. But I love when I see I have served with someone who has laid down her life for decades to continue to be seasoned in the prophetic and the apostolic and my mentor, Patricia King. And Kim, you remind me of her completely hundred percent abandoned to the wow. Lord. I honor you. I respect you. You have an open invitation here. You are officially adopted as a man on the front line because there's no men or women in Christ Jesus. There's no <laughs> male right. or female in Christ right. Jesus. So um, you're always welcome back. Thank you so much for taking time to join us this week. Oh, my honor and privilege. Thank you so much for having me. 
And hey, I want to thank all of you as well for taking time. And I want you to really be encouraged by this show because you are not only meant to walk in the way of the kingdom, you already have it. And there's so much opportunity right now. And even when we talk about discipline and conviction and correction and pruning, all that means is opportunity. And that's what I want you to hear in this, because there are great things that God has for you. And there are great things we, the church, need you walking in. You're made for them. You're remade in Christ for them. So grab hold of this word, rewatch this show, get the book, go and connect with Dr. Kim and all of her places and get more revelation from her. Because the reason God gives so much deep revelation to someone like her is so that she can share it with someone like you. So thanks so much for being with us for this episode of Heroes Arise. Go out and walk in the way of the kingdom. Say yes to that journey with Jesus and going deeper and deeper and deeper into all that he has for you and just as much all he wants to release through you to this world that is in desperate need of him and in desperate need of you walking in everything he's given you. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here again next week for another Heroes Arise. Ready for more? Go to roberthotchkin.com. For more teachings, more resources, and more information about Robert Hodgkin Ministries and men on the front lines.